This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I have trouble sleeping. I have insomnia. No matter what I tried, it wouldn't work until I met Mike Lindell and I got my very own MyPillow. It has changed my life. What makes MyPillow so different is MyPillow's patented adjustable fill. In other words, you can adjust the patented fill to your exact individual needs so you get the support you need and want to help you get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 1-800-919-6090. Remember, use the promo code Hannity. When you do, Mike Lindell will give you his best offer ever. Buy one pillow and get another one absolutely free. MyPillow, made in the USA, 10-year unconditional warranty, and it has a 60-day, no-questions-asked money-back guarantee. You have nothing to lose. So it's time for you to start getting the quality of sleep that you've been wanting and we need. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity. Take advantage of Mike's special two-for-one offer. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. a collector freakout on the anniversary of Donald Trump winning and becoming the 45th president of the United States. To be a joke, I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to kill myself and I'm not kidding. You better fix this right now. I literally am going to die. I need an ambulance. 
Yes, a collective liberal freak. They need therapy dogs. They need cocoa. They need Play-Doh. They need coloring books. They need crayons. They need padded rooms, apparently, because the freakout has continued for an entire year. Anyway, glad you're with us. Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. We have an investigative report today. Uh, Sarah Carter, Victoria Tunzing. We're not letting go. We're only getting started on the dossier. We have a lot of new information we're going to pass on. And, of course, Uranium One as now the client, the informant for the FBI, soon now going before Congress. We'll get to all of that today. Steve Scalise, the Republican Party, uh, whip is going to join us today. It looks like the Senate is about to bail out on on corporate tax cuts, which means that is the death of the Republican Party. I'll get to all of that. All right, so I got a heads up this morning that something was coming. And sure enough, it showed up on Breitbart first and then the Washington Post second. I'm looking at the Drudge Report now. Alabama rocked. Judge Moore hit with sex accusations. That is the headline. And first, the Breitbart came out with after endorsing Democrat in Alabama. Now, this guy, Bezos, is the guy that owns the Washington Post. He also owns Amazon.com. Anybody who's used Amazon. So he's a really wealthy guy. Bought the Washington Post. Um, The Washington Post hates anything Republican, anything conservative. They hate Anything. I mean, they did what? A nine week investigation, investigative report on me. And it made the front page. I never saw the actual thing, but I was told it made the front page. Was it top fold, bottom, whatever, of the Washington Post one day? They went back to when I was 20 years old, 30 years ago, and did my, in my 20s, and I did my first radio show. I'm like, okay, trying to take Sean Hannity down. Why else would the Washington Post? Spend that much time, effort, and money on a dopey talk show host. Sorry, it's just a fact. Because they don't like my opinions. They wanted to dig up dirt. And by the way, that's not the first attempt. I think uh, Bloomberg spent six or seven weeks doing the same thing. You know, we've had phony headlines by fake CNN about me. I mean, it's, it's just these are unbelievable times. Now... I predicted, if you remember, during the Harvey Weinstein issue. Now, Weinstein is now getting sex therapy. Weinstein also may be indicted in New York for rape because of a sting operation that had happened way back in the day. He didn't deny the charges. Same with Kevin Spacey. I think they're at the same sex rehab facility, Okay, which is unbelievable to me. I've always thought sex rehab... And I know they supposedly, I guess they separate the men and the women, but they're often in the same facility. Why do I think that's a bad idea? You know, it's just, I just think it's a bad idea. Anyway, so here we are. A long, drawn-out career. Judge Moore has been in the public eye for 40 years. Judge Moore has been in a heated primary down in Alabama, going on for forever. We first endorsed, by the way, you may remember, Mo Brooks. I've known Mo Brooks forever. And Mo Brooks used to fill in on my radio show when I lived in Huntsville, Alabama. Anyway, so the alleged incidents here, Judge Moore denies them. Happened nearly 40 years ago, 38 years ago. He's 70 years old. These allegations are from when he was 32 years old. And the allegations, all of which he denies, strongly denies, alleged an incident that took place 
between 1977 and 1982. Now, these allegations, he says, are completely false. A desperate political attack by the National Democratic Party in the Washington Post. Moore said in a statement, and separately Moore said uh, in another statement, this garbage is the very definition of fake news and intentionally def- it's intentional defamation. The campaign pointed out that Moore has been married for nearly 33 years and has four children, five grandchildren, and it was noted that Moore has served in public office in the past. No such allegations had been made. He's been in public service now nearly 40 years. And what he said, if any of these allegations were true, they surely would have been made public long before. This has been one of the hotly contested races of the year. Now, here's how the allegations go, according to the Post, that they claim when he was 32 years old, Moore was, that he attempted to court three women and dated them. One claims he engaged in sexual conduct while she was below the age of consent, 14 years of age. In case you're interested, the current age of consent in Alabama is 16. Um, Now, Breitbart didn't give the names of the women, but the Washington Post interestingly did. And uh, the claim is that in early 1979, he was a 32-year-old assistant DA, struck up a conversation with uh, this, this, I won't give her, uh, last name is uh, Korfman, when she was 14. And uh, anyway, he offered to watch the girl while her mother went inside for a custody hearing. He said, oh, you don't have to go in there with that. I'll stay here with her. According to the mother, her mother is, is 71 years old. I thought, well, how nice of him wanting to take care of my little girl. Anyway, Moore chatted with the girl, the Washington Post writes, and asked for her phone number. Anyway, then they report days later, she says he picked her up around the corner from the house in Gadsden, Alabama, drove about 30 minutes to his home in the woods, told her how pretty she was, and he kissed her. And there was a second visit. She says that he took off her shirt and removed his clothes. He touched her over her bra and her underpants, and she says guided her hand to touch him over his underwear. She said, quote, I wanted it over with. I want it out. She remembers thinking, please get this over with. Whatever this is, just get it over, she said. And then she says she asked Moore to take her home, and he did. That's the extent of what they explain happened in this particular case. Now, two of this young, this woman's uh, childhood friends say she told them at the time she was seeing an older man. One of the two friends identified the man as Moore. Now, Wells says her daughter, this is the mother, Uh, told her about the encounter more than a decade later as Moore was becoming more prominent as a local judge in Alabama. And aside from Korfman, the Washington Post goes on, three other women interviewed by the Washington Post in recent weeks say Moore pursued them when they were between the ages of 16 and 18 and he was in his early 30s. Episodes they said they found flattering at the time but troubling as they got older. None of the women say that Moore forced them. Let me read this. None of the women say Moore forced them into any sort of relationship or sexual conduct. He says one woman says she was 14, working as a Santa's helper in, in Gadsden Mall when Moore first approached her, and 16 when he asked her on dates, which her mother forbade. And then Debbie Wesson Gibson says she was 17 when Moore spoke to her high school class, civics class, asked her out on uh, what was the first of several dates that did not progress beyond kissing. Another woman says she was 18, a cheerleader, when Moore began taking her on dates, including bottles of Matus Rosé wine. The legal drinking age is 19. She was 18. 
of the four women. The youngest at the time is this woman, Corfman, who says she uh, who says uh, who is the only one who says she had sexual contact with more that went beyond kissing. She says they did not have sexual intercourse. Then you go to Moore's statement. These allegations are completely false. A desperate political attack by the National Democratic Party and the Washington Post on this campaign. By the way, the Post supported the Democratic, uh, his opposition in this campaign. The Post, as a matter of fact, you know, was dead set against them. Anyway, now this woman, anyway, none of the women donated. Uh, the campaign said it's true. It's the garbage. It's garbage. The very definition of fake news. None of the women donated to Moore's campaign, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, anyway, she works as a customer service representative at a payday loan business, and she says she voted Republican in the past, including Donald Trump. She says she thought confronting more personally for years, almost came forward publicly during his first campaign for the Supreme Court in 2000, decided against it, her two children still in school, three divorces, messy financial history might undermine her credibility. There's no one here that doesn't know that I'm not an angel, she said, referring to her hometown of Gadsden, Alabama. She described her story consistently in six interviews with The Post. The Post confirmed that her mother attended a hearing uh, at that time, and they looked at divorce records. Moore's office was down the hall from the courtroom. Now, neither Corfman or any of the other women sought out The Post. While reporting a story in Alabama about supporters of Moore's campaign, a Post reporter heard that Moore allegedly had sought relationships with teenage girls. After, or after the ensuing three weeks, two reporters contacted and interviewed all four women, et cetera, et cetera. I have prayed over this at the on and on. Now, here's where we are. 38 years later, not talking about intercourse. The, I think in the case of the other two women, you're talking about dating beyond the age of consent, only kissing apparently involved. So now the question is, you know, did this happen when he was 32? He's now 70 years old. And when you look at all of what we're now seeing, like, for example, there's a, another story in the New York Times today that Louis C.K., the comedian, is now crossed the line into sexual misconduct. They've got five women there. Then you've got since Weinstein broke. Look at what we have found out. You know, look at all the allegations. Ben Affleck, two accusers. Then you got Roy Price, who's the director, interestingly, of Bezos. Amazon Studios, and he has an accuser. Oliver Stone has one accuser. You've got Bob Weinstein, the brother, has an accuser. you got John Besh, who was a, a chef, I guess a famous chef. He had multiple accusers. James Toback, at least 238 accusers, has attended the documentary Night Will Fall. Then you've got, you know, people, George Herbert Walker Bush was accused four times when he was in his wheelchair. And then you've got Terry Richardson, multiple people. Kevin Spacey, multiple people. And Ben Affleck, multiple people. Jerry Piven, multiple people. Dustin Hoffman, multiple people. You know, Brett Ratner, multiple people. Ed Westwick, multiple people. Steven Seagal, multiple people. How do we ever, ever figure out the truth? That, I mean, I'm, be, I'm asking. Because we all hate anybody that would abuse any woman. Because it's so offensive. How do you ascertain he said, she said, and how do you do it 40 years later? Do some people do this because they want money for political reasons? Do some people do it because they've been so traumatized they couldn't speak earlier? We'll examine a lot of this today. Got a lot of news to get to. 800 941 Sean. 
Our, hey, you know how I love hearing great American success stories and sharing them all with you. Well, our favorite T-shirt, underwear, sock company, Tommy John, well, that's one of them. Now, Tom Patterson grew up in a small town in South Dakota. After college, he had a successful career. He was selling medical devices on the West Coast. But he quickly became fed up with the way his undershirt kept coming untucked. So despite having zero background in men's fashion whatsoever, Tom sketched up some designs for smarter undergarments. Now, starting out of his apartment and growing Tommy John, to the globally recognized company it is today, well, he achieved, Tom did, the American dream. Now, of course, they're super soft, they're undershirts. Guess what? They never come untucked. Plus, all of Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, guarantee, or it's free. Go to TommyJohn.com slash Hannity for 20% off your first order, and Tommy will donate 5% of this month's sales from TommyJohn.com slash Hannity to the Honor Foundation to empower Navy SEALs who are now transitioning to civilian life. That's TommyJohn.com slash Hannity. All right, so allegations flying all over the place. Let me give you another story. This is in the New York Times, 2002, Chicago comedy duo. I won't mention it. Anyway, they landed a gig, a chance to perform at the U.S. Comedy Arts Festival, Aspen, Colorado. Louis C.K. invites him to hang out in his hotel room for a nightcap after the late night show. Quote, the, the New York Times writes, they didn't think twice. The bars were closed. They wanted to celebrate. It goes on. He was a comedian. They admired and it goes on. The women would be together anyway, long thing. As soon as they sat down in the room, still wrapped in their winter jackets and hats, he asked if he could take out his beep. And then he proceeded to do it, take all his clothes off, get completely naked and start masturbating. And then it goes on for there. Another person called Louis C.K. to invite him to one of her shows. During the phone conversation, she could hear him doing the same as they spoke. Another comedian woman said that while... She was appearing with Louis C.K. on a television pilot. He asked if he could do it in front of her. She declined. Now, after years of these rumors about him doing this in front of associates, women are now coming forward to describe what they experienced. I this is a this is a very hard topic. Because. For a lot of reasons, I can understand women that don't speak. I find it repugnant anybody that abuses a woman this way. Absolutely repugnant. But I also know that there are ten commandments. One of them is thou shalt not bear false witness. Human beings break the other nine. Some of these instances I am certain are true. Some of them I suspect may be false. How do you ascertain the difference? Especially if you're going back nearly 40 years, 38 years. In the case of the Moore, Judge Moore, is it politically motivated? You know, why do people wait? In this case, 38 years. Is it about money in some cases? Is it? These are interesting times. Anyway, we'll get your thoughts on all of this. So much other news we'll get to next. We'll debate that later in the program. Katie Hopkins, Geraldo, and Jonathan Gillum. All right, 25 till the top of the end. Does anybody remember a frequent guest on this program? He's on Hannity, the TV show, all the time. He's a dear friend of mine. Love him to death. He worked for Coca-Cola as a top executive, Godfather's Pizza. You know, incredible resume. You know, if I say, the, if I say these words, 999, you know who I'm talking about. And that would be Herman Cain. Herman Cain all of a sudden is, is rising in the polls. Remember Herman Cain? Rising in the polls dramatically. 
And then all of a sudden, all these allegations, a flurry of allegations start coming out against Herman Cain. And he even said, unlike Donald Trump, I could not afford to go out there and defend myself. And he had gone on shows, made denials, and he gets out of the race. Think about this. Ever since he's been out of the race, not a peep, not a word. I don't know whether or not what the Washington Post is reporting 38 years ago, up to 40 years ago, with Roy Moore is true. I don't know. And I don't think anybody knows, except the people that are involved and the people that make allegations. Now, it's interesting because I do think people make allegations years later. I think that, you know, people could be so disgusting, so crude, so absolutely offensive. There are harassers. There are dark, evil people. I'm the one that keeps saying there's evil in this world. There's plenty of evil in the world. And I believe that these stories sometimes are true. Like, for example, I'll give you an example. Bill Clinton. I interviewed all of those women. I believed them all. But I believed them when I looked them in the eye. And, you know, cumulatively, you begin to put a picture together. And then I think after Monica Lewinsky came out, everybody says, okay, now I see what Hannity saw in him. I can't judge, I can't, I don't have x-ray vision. I can't just see into somebody's heart, their mind, their soul, what's going on inside them. I don't understand this, this, there's apparent sickness that these people have, some of them. It is, as a father, knowing that there are predators out there like this, it scares the hell out of me, of a daughter, as a as a, a brother and, you know, just just has a tremendous respect for people. I don't understand the behavior. I can't, you know, if Louis C.K. did these things, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with him? There's something really wrong. But I also, you know, when I think about, let's I'll just stay on the Herman Cain for a minute. I, I know, knew Herman Cain so well, I never believed it instinctively and then look what happens it went away now what's fascinating is now we've got politicians weighing in on all of this and it's interesting who is weighing in mitch mcconnell would spend a fortune trying to defeat judge roy moore if it's true you've got to get out of the race john mccain has now just called for roy moore to withdraw whether or not the allegations are true Okay, so now you got the swamp, you got the sewer, you got the establishment. They hate Roy Moore. Roy Moore to them is another Ted Cruz, uh, another Mike Lee, somebody they can't control. Rand Paul, they can't control those guys. The last thing they need is another one of them that actually believes in the promises they make, etc. You know, it is funny, too, because, you know, Democrats never called on Bill Clinton to step down after he was... You know, after all the stuff that happened with him, none, never, not one time. So there's politics in all of this. Then you have false allegations that are made. And, you know, how do you determine it's he said she what, you're looking at me puzzled. Why are you looking at me with that look? What? No, I just I'm listening to you. And I think it's a very, very dark and, and sad place that we've come to because allegations are being waged and in the court of public opinion you know people are guilty until they're proven innocent and it's very very sad and i think it's very sad for victims 
because there are real victims out there that want to tell the truth and maybe they're afraid to do it. And then there are people who use the word victim as leverage in a way to get things. And I think it's really a scary time. There are false allegations made. You know, I can tell you another thing that is a common practice. People make an allegation, for example, big corporations, big corporations, they make a business decision. All right, if I pay $200,000, this goes away. Okay, you're out of here. We're done with you. It's all over, even though they don't believe it happened. But then they're going to have somebody that comes in and says, okay, this is going to be the cost of litigating this. And the person, uh, the other, the accuser's attorney is going to work pro bono, and that means for free. And they're going to see this to the ends of the earth unless they can get out and blah, 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 blah. That happens, too. And other people just do it. Do some people do it for political reasons? I, how do you possibly tell no the truth? Except, okay, so the two other girls were older in this case. He was apparently like 32. And he dated uh, one girl was 18. One girl was 17. They never said he did. There was no sexual. There was kissing involved. And then they're saying this one encounter and, and with a 14. Consensual. And consensual. That's true. Um, and there's, you know, I, I just, I don't know how you find out the truth. But then I remember Ray Donovan. How do I get my good name back? So we all find any allegation of abuse of women repugnant. All of us. And unacceptable. But, you know, it's interesting. When Hillary Clinton was being hung out to dry, as the Democrats would like to describe it, we gave her, you know, endless amounts of time to explain herself, whether it was Benghazi, whether it was the email server, whether it was her defending her husband and blaming the women and the horrible name she called those women, even though they settled with those women. You know, these women came out and they spoke about it and and they were completely chastised by the media and they were called every name in the book. But now because it's another and yeah, you can say that this is ridiculous that, you know, we're bringing up the discussion of party already. But we do. We have the establishment and the Democrats that want to bury somebody because he's not willing to fall in line and because of the fact that he thinks of things that in their eyes are extreme. And it's very it's very difficult to bring this up right now. But unfortunately, I think it's important. We have to talk about it because Bill and Hillary were granted every so much rope, so much leeway to explain their side. Roy Moore, WAPO puts it on the front page. It's done. You know, WAPO's not so innocent here either. You know, Bezos has his hands dirty with Roy Price. He's He had to resign. He had to take his leave of absence. i like to see how many days that was on the cover of WAPO. Why would John McCain, now remember, they were so against Roy Moore in his primary. Why would he not give Judge Moore the presumption of innocence before being proven guilty? I mean, he's... Look, in the case of Kevin Spacey, they're basically admitting it. In the case of Weinstein, they're basically admitting it. But then there are other people that say, no, that didn't happen. Do they deserve the presumption of innocence? Does an allegation in the court of public opinion then render somebody unelectable? You know, that Herman Cain had to pull out? And Judge Moore has already said that this is untrue. We're waiting for more information from him. His office has released a statement, but he has already said that it is untrue. But unfortunately, again, we go back to this, you know, lamestream media who wants to run with a headline that brings down someone who is a conservative. But it's also, you know, and you look at Hollywood, they joked, and we'll play this later in the program today, but they joked so much at, oh, everybody knew Weinstein was up to no good. They all knew it. And then then remember their love of Roman Polanski who escaped justice and was on the lam and is still on the lam and living in France, a good life, and he gets an Academy Award. The allegation was he raped a 13-year-old, 
and and fed her with with booze and quaaludes and and raped her repeatedly. And he hasn't come back for justice. He gets a standing ovation. He got a massive standing ovation when he got and the Oscar. Goes to Roman Polanski for the pianist. There's Hollywood. There's their vote of confidence. Yeah, they sound very outraged. Didn't he apologize at some point? If I'm, Am I mistaken that Polanski at some point acknowledged that it had happened or something? I don't remember. I don't want to say for sure. All right, we're going to get to your calls in a minute. By the way, I, I just read this in, um, it was in the Washington Post and on CNBC.com, but the Senate tax plan revealed today apparently now is going to delay the phase in of the corporate tax cut from 35 to 20 percent. They first the Washington Post first reported a delay until 2019, citing four people briefed on the planning. Okay, I'm just saying right now, one year from now, you Republicans, if that's your plan, goodbye. You're done. You will be finished. You are going to get slaughtered at the ballot box. You're, You're literally it's in your hands. It's in all of your hands. Your future. Now, interestingly, the Washington Post had a story about yesterday about Paul Ryan. Where with Trump, he said, we already made the choice. He was on with my friend Brian Kilmeade and asked if Ryan, if the GOP, you know, to choose between Bush style Republican policies and Trump. Ryan didn't equivocate. We already made the choice. Where with Trump? I don't particularly like the House bill. It's great on the corporate side. It's great on the repatriation side. The president already did everything he could do with and he's still doing more with you know, getting rid of Obama-era regulations and energy independence. That's all great for the forgotten men and women in this country that need jobs and need to get out of poverty and off of food stamps. But the fact that they abandoned Reagan conservative supply-side across-the-board tax cuts and they're increasing taxes because they don't want to be blamed for tax cuts for the rich when anybody that pays federal income taxes, by definition, is pretty rich. The only reason I'll support the bill is because it does give some large chance of significant economic growth. But if you're going to do it, do it right. Cut the top, cut every rate. Well, what about revenues? Well, hopefully the economy grows at a a clip of four, four and a half, five percent GDP every year. And then you'll grow your way out. And if you'd have some spending, they didn't cut one thing. Not a single dollar are they cutting. This this is a, a a shadow of what Republicans once stood for. If Mitch McConnell's serious on that, it's unbelievable. All right, Melanie is in California. Hi, Melanie. How are you? I'm actually seething right now. I'm so mad at the establishment Republicans right now in their response to this. It's driving me nuts. They they it smells exactly like September or October last year when they were so willing to throw the president under the bus just because of unsubstantiated allegations. They don't know. We don't know what Roy Moore has done. Nobody knows at this point. So why? He's he's now 70 years old. This allegedly happened when he was 32. It's ridiculous. It's I mean, even Sean, let's even assume that maybe there's some veracity to this. Why one month? 
before the election when they don't even know or they so quick to throw him under the bus and put Doug Jones into the place, into the Senate. It's ridiculous. I think by the quick, quick, quick response by McConnell and McCain, it speaks volumes to me. Bill in Southampton. Thank you, Melanie. What's up, uh, Bill? Listening to WOR, the all-new WOR 710 in New York. Hey, Sean. uh, Thanks for taking my call. So on a broader sense, I... Just like your previous call, I'm out here myself feeling violated by the damn Republican establishment every single day. We gave them the power, and we are getting nothing in return from these guys. I'm sick of the mistreatment, and I'm sick of being dismissed by them all the time. Whether it goes, whether it's the new tax bill or whether it's Obamacare, it's the same old story, and they're not supporting our president. We voted them in, and they're not giving us anything. 2019 is a... That is a formula for electoral disaster, and it won't be Trump's fault if they lose. All right, we'll squeeze in Derek in Florida. Thank you, Bill. What's up, Derek? Oh, Sean, thanks for having me on. Uh, I could not have said it any better than you about Herman Cain, uh, but I guess that's why you're the talk show host and I'm calling you. Well, you're nice, but listen, I mean, not a word. Herman Cain gets out of the race. You never heard a word again. Not a word. Exactly. I'm going to tell you something. I, there are women that make legitimate allegations. There are women that are victims. There are horrible, dark, evil people in this world. If, if we can find them, they deserve every bit of, of whatever the law could throw at them. I don't know how you thread a needle between that and people that maybe do it for politics, do it for money. I don't know. I want the truth. That's what I'm looking for. I think the but I don't know how you go back 40 years and get to the truth. I don't know. We'll have more on this with Geraldo, with uh, Jonathan Gillum. We also have Steve Scalise today. We have Sarah Carter, Victoria Tunsing and the gobby one. Katie Hopkins all checking in. Hey, you know, Twitter reaction to this more issue is pretty phenomenal. Um, and you have uh, people saying that, um, well, a lot of different things here. But when McCain runs out, even if you're innocent, you should step aside. What'd you, what were you telling me? You were telling me just before I came on. No, I was just saying that, you know, since McConnell's so eager to bury uh, Roy Moore, maybe we should return the favor and say when he's proven innocent, maybe Mr. McConnell can step down as the leader. Uh, why would McCain say just... And McCain can go with him. McCain for a 38-year allegation. You don't even give the presumption of innocence? I thought that was fundamental to our society. And and then the bigger question, how do you ever ascertain the truth if a 38-year-old allegation like this is made? um, The Senate is releasing their bill today, and from what we've heard, it might be drastically different from what you guys have put out over here, either a phase-in or phase-out of the corporate tax rate, not full repeal of the state tax. They will fully repeal SALT, even though you talked about the importance of that compromise. Um, is that going to be problematic for resolving um, also a Democratic aide overheard you joking with Mr. McConnell about going to conference? Are you guys seriously going to conference? Uh, I think uh, put the political hack aside. Uh, we are going to conference, and that's the point I've been making is we're going to conference. Uh, that wasn't a joke. That was I don't the person, I don't even know who which which hack did that. Uh, but, you know, if you're there, it's we're going to conference. Why are we going to conference? Because we're doing this the right way. We're doing this regular order. And yes, the Senate bill is going to be different than the House bill, because you know what? That's the legislative process. But what's encouraging in all of this is 
just as we discussed at the front end of this process. We have a framework that we established with the White House and the Senate, and these bills are being written within inside that framework. But the House will pass its bill, the Senate will pass its bill, and then we will get together and reconcile the differences, which is the legislative process, and that's how this process will continue. A lot of those analyses that you cited, though, say that in the out years, these families, more of these families will see a tax increase. Um, that seems primarily... So you're talking about the sunsets, sunsets right? Primarily yeah. Primarily due to the sunsets. Can you talk about why, sure. why you've chosen to do those sunsets? Why, when all, so many of the things on the corporate and business side are permanent, why not we'll make some of those things sunset to keep the middle they, class up? Devon, it's a good question. Uh, you see both. You see... Uh, the expansion provisions sunset. So you see business provisions sunset and you see some individual provisions sunset. But in our bill, um, the primary provisions, the big provisions like the rates and the child tax credit, those things are made permanent. Why? Because certainty is really important for economic growth. And that's why we believe if you sunset the wrong provisions, you will actually do damage to economic growth and forward planning. But what we also learned from the economic standpoint of the things that are sunset are done in a way that they won't damage economic growth. They will actually encourage economic growth. And also, it's just to be conform with the rules. We have Senate budget rules that we have to be mindful of. And we want to make sure that when we pass a bill out of the House, that that bill um, adheres to the Senate rules so that we can use the reconciliation tool that we need to use to pass tax reform. So those sunsets are things that are done to make sure that this bill conforms to the rules. We don't personally like it in the House, but we need to follow if we want to make sure that it's privileged. As a quick follow-up, I mean, there is this expectation that Congress will act to extend those. I believe that as well. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. I'll get back to this issue of Judge Moore in just a minute. And uh, also we have Geraldo Rivera, Jonathan Gillum, uh, the gobby one, Katie Hopkins. We have the latest on Uranium One and the latest on the dossier issue. Uh, two bits of information. The Republicans in the Congress took a pair of steps today to drive their tax reform bill. And you have a key committee now approve the tax package uh, after some last minute changes while Republican senators uh, made public their details. Now, the downside of what the Senate is doing here is that, you know, they're now talking about a delay in the implementation of the lower corporate tax rate until 2019. Well, 2019 doesn't help anybody out. And as I've been saying, I think on the corporate side, it's great. 20% corporate tax from a 35% rate, that's fantastic. Repatriation, multinationals, trillions of dollars parked overseas, bring it back. That's great. What the president has done on his own in terms of getting rid of burdensome big government regulations, Obama-era regulations, has been great. His moves on pushing the country towards energy independence, all things he didn't need Congress to do, that's great. But if the Senate is going to wait to 2019, they're going to get slaughtered one year from now. Anyway, joining us is Steve Scalise, and he is the Republican Party whip. Uh, why are you laughing? Was something I said funny? How are you? It's just good to be back with you, Sean. How are you? Yeah, you say that, but you're gritting your you're gritting your teeth. You're like, ah, there's Hannity again. All right. Well, first of all, how are you feeling? I mean, you know, we watched in horror the day that you were shot on that practice field, preparing for the congressional baseball game that you have for charity and i know it was not an easy go for you and the last time i spoke with you you're still struggling how are you doing yeah doing really good sean and you know obviously back then on june 14th uh you know there were a few times that day where i almost didn't make it and uh you know luckily i had a great team of surgeons uh, i had great police officers capitol police and the alexandria police officers who literally ran to the fire ran to 
the gunman and, and ultimately took him down. And, uh, you know, and all of us lived, uh, you know, and we're lucky. And you prayed for us. So many people prayed for me and my family. And I just want to thank you for that because those prayers really lifted me up. And I'm doing well. I had physical therapy again today. We're working on trying to walk again without crutches. So, uh, you know, I can walk with crutches, but, uh, you know, can't walk without them yet. So we're working on that. And what is your, what is your, to play baseball again. what is your prognosis long term? Are you going to get full functioning back? Well, they tell me that I, I will be able to walk without crutches, you know, and hopefully that's coming up in the next few months. But whether or not I can run again and, you know, play the sports I played before is an open question because I've got some real nerve damage in my, especially in my left foot. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's that what we're trying to work on. But, uh, you know, even if that doesn't come back, I'm, I'm lucky to be alive. I've got my family and. Well, I knew how prepared. Listen, I you know I have spies everywhere. I had heard you had gotten within the first twenty four hours like a dozen or more blood transfusions. Is that true? Yeah, when I came in to the emergency room uh, by helicopter from the baseball field, they said I had a zero blood pressure, which, as you can imagine, yeah, that means you're kind of you know, dead. Yeah, a lot of people don't make it out from that, and yeah. I lost almost all of my blood. Uh, they had wow. to do a massive transfusion, and you know there were a lot of blood draws after. Even Vice President Pence gave blood for for those blood draws, and I appreciate all of the the help there. But uh, you know, it was it was. I would have given you my blood, but your body probably would have rejected it. But you know. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, and always all, take more. In, in all seriousness, thank God you're okay. And that day, I will say this: the Capitol Police were there for you because of your position. And I never saw such bravery in my life. And as somebody yeah. that is, I'm, I'm well versed in the use of firearms, going up against a rifle at a distance, walking into an open field with a pistol, yeah. they're sitting ducks. You're done. It's it, the, the odds of them surviving that are limited. If the guy is a yeah. good shot, a halfway decent shot. Yeah, he had a semi-automatic rifle, 762 caliber. That's yeah. what I was shot with. Massive bullet. Does a lot of damage. And both of them were shot. Both David Bailey and Crystal Griner, my two Capitol Police security detail officers, were shot while shooting at the shooter, and they never gave up. In fact, they went towards him, which, for the heroism and bravery, I mean, they're incredibly well-trained, but police officers every day risk their lives for people, and it goes unnoticed. That's why we all need how, to stand How are they doing, officers. by the way? How are they with their injuries? I saw him today. In fact, uh, Capitol Police gave the Medal of Honor to uh, to both Crystal and David, as well as the three Alexandria police officers who were involved in the shooting and, and taken down the shooter. And Crystal, uh, she she had her left ankle really blown out. Uh, the, the bullet went through her left ankle, a lot of bone damage. And she's now off of her, uh, she had a boot on for a while. She's using one crutch now, so she's down to one crutch. She's looking really good. She was able to walk a little bit without a crutch. David Bailey, is he's back in a running shape. I mean, he is raring to go, just an incredible guy and a great spirit. And, uh, you know, he's he's back again. We, we gave each other hugs this morning. It's great to see them every time I, I get that opportunity. All right, let me ask you about this tax bill. And, uh, look, I love the corporate side, as I said. But at the end of the day, the top rate is going to stay the same. To me, that is an abandonment of Reagan conservative supply side, cross-the-board tax cuts. You know, I, I believe that all the things you're doing are going to help grow the economy and help – the forgotten men and women that mattered in this election. But on the other side of it, I'm, uh, I'm worried that Republicans are just too fearful that they're going to be blamed for tax cuts for the rich when 20 percent pay nearly all the taxes. So by definition. Well, first on every every income bracket 
does better under our bill. And somebody making 30000 a year is going to do really well under this bill. Somebody making $30 million is going to also do well because we cut taxes across the board. Even if you look at the 39.6% rate, people will be paying that percentage on less of their income because we move more of their income into the lower brackets, especially the 25% rate and the 12% rate. So just think about this. The first $90,000 of your income will be taxed at 12% now, which is uh, an incredibly low rate for, for most families. And the first $24,000, we double the personal exemption, so the standard deduction. So your first 24000 is not going to be taxed. And everybody across the board gets a tax cut, plus the corporate side. As you mentioned, in our bill in the House, Kevin Brady just passed that out of his committee, uh, 20% tax rate down from 35, highest in the industrialized world. That's immediate. We wanted to make it immediate because we want to get that economic impact and bring jobs back to America, and we do that. Something else we do, we completely repeal the death tax, Sean. That's something that you know everybody knows. I heard that six years away, though. You're not going to do it right away. It phases out. So each year it, it gets – we increase the amount that is exempt from the death tax until it finally completely goes away. Listen, I so like the idea, but anytime out. you get – you know, we always get the spending – uh, we always get the tax increase, and we never get the spending cuts, and we always get, you know... So the, the, bulk, the bulk of these cuts are immediate. Uh, for families, your your lower income tax brackets, those are immediate. Uh, the corporate tax cuts are immediate. So uh, you're going to get a lot of benefit there, but also if you look at the phase-out, part of that is done because, look, I mean, we had targets we had to hit, and you don't want to increase the deficit. This is going to bring in a lot of new economic activity, so... You know, let's let's see how this works. It's going to work really well from the estimates we're getting already. Uh, you're seeing reports that average families will get over $2,500 more in their pockets. And you're going to see wage growth, something we haven't seen in a long time, Sean, because the economy was going so slow because of the, the bad Obama policies and the crazy regulations. Uh, of course, President Trump has finally reversed a lot of that. You're seeing slow increase now in, in economic growth. It's actually pretty significant. Increase. Why? Why? Why not an across-the-board cut? The top one percent, for example, they they pay, or the top ten percent pay seventy percent of the taxes. Twenty percent, ninety some odd percent. Bottom fifty zero. Why not go on all of the rates? And for example, you know, you're going to keep the top rate where it is, but then you're going to take away exemptions like you know state and local taxes. I get a ten percent income tax in the state of New York, three percent city tax, state of New York. Um, I can deduct that now, but that's going to be gone. So even I have the same rate and less deductions, and it means I pay more. By the way, this is not about me. I'm just asking, you know, specifically, why wouldn't we go right. back to the Reagan philosophy of supply-side conservative tax cuts across the board? Well, first, these rates are a lot lower than they were under President Reagan, and President Reagan finally confronted tax reform. Well, Reagan was down to 28. He was down to 28 percent. If you went from 70 to 28 percent, top marginal rate in his, his years. Right, but if you look at what we're doing, number one, there are rules that say you can't you can't cut taxes more than one point five trillion dollars in this because of this bill actually reconciliation and compliant. Yeah, because of budget budget reconciliation, you need to make sure that the bill can actually get to President Trump's desk. So you you can cut one point five trillion in taxes, which we do. And if you look at where we focused it, President Trump really wanted to focus this on middle class tax relief. And so that's what we did. And way, everybody's going to get a tax cut. Millionaires still will have uh, have less of their income taxed. So you know everybody's going to benefit from this. We repeal the alternative minimum tax, by the way, something else that hits a lot of upper middle income folks in a very unfair way. 
that goes away under this bill. So, you know, when you look at the whole thing, and you'll be able to, there's going to be a calculator coming out real soon where you're going to be able to look at your personal situation, and I think you're going to find most people will see that they will pay less in taxes under this plan, and you get economic growth. Uh, I'm sick and tired of seeing companies move jobs overseas just because our tax rate's so high. Those jobs will now start coming back, and we've heard. Listen, so it's, uh, listen, I'm, I'm supporting the bill in the House. What if the Senate waits? Yeah. What if the Senate do, it says 2019? That is a that is political suicide to me. Well, ultimately, both sides are going to have to come to an agreement. You you can see where we are in the House. But do you agree with me? Waiting till 2019 is dumb. Well, I, I want to see us make these uh, make these immediate. You can, yeah. by the way, you can say it. It's true. It's dumb because that doesn't help the men and women that are in poverty on food stamps and out of the labor force and grow the economy. Why wait? And, and by the way, one of the things we've talked to President Trump about, President Trump really wants to, after we get these tax cuts in place and you see job growth, uh, you're going to need more workers. We need to confront some of these other problems in our society, like uh, a runaway welfare program. And so we're going to have real welfare reform that President Trump wants to embark upon. Yeah. Let's get people back to work. Welfare to work worked when it was I, done. President Obama gutted a lot of those laws. Let's put those back in place to help people get into the middle class and become part of the American dream. All right, Steve Scalise. Well, we're so glad you're, you're doing better, and we wish you a full, complete recovery. Uh, please go to Mitch McConnell's office and tell him I said <laughs> it's done. Um, and he he's going to get a lot of people fired if he does that. Anyway, well, yeah, we're going right, to go gotta, pass through the house. That's where my focus is. I got. I'm really behind. Let me. Phenomenal. I got a break, and and we wish you the best, sir. We really do. By the Thank way, I apologize to, to my uh, stations along the Cox Radio Network right now. I'm, One of the reasons I think, and I learned this in Atlanta, that I end up being right, and the media ends up being wrong so often. I learned this lesson in Atlanta, Richard Jewell. AJC, he fits the profile of the lone bomber. He lives with his mother. And everybody began to talk about the hero that turned into the villain that might have been responsible. Turns out he was innocent. And I was I didn't know that day he was listening to my radio show. Gave me one of the first interviews after it came out. He was innocent. You know, look at all these cases. Vetting Obama, the media wouldn't do it. I did. In vetting him, I knew he was a radical ideologue who would govern as a radical. He did. The media not thinking Trump would win, they were caught up in their narrative. They were wrong. Ferguson, Missouri, hands up, don't shoot. They were wrong. Duke Lacrosse, they were wrong. In the case of Ferguson, Missouri, they were wrong. Trayvon Martin, Martin George Zimmerman, they were wrong. Look up, Obama himself, a lawyer, was wrong on Cambridge, wrong on Ferguson, wrong on, on Baltimore, wrong on Trayvon Martin George Zimmerman. I actually believe in the presumption of innocence still being proven guilty. The media, now in the court of public opinion, there's 38 years later, you got a million Republicans now say, oh, Judge Moore, if he did this, he's got to go. John McCain, even if you're innocent, you got to go. Even if you didn't do it, you got to go. They're all establishment figures. You see a pattern here? We'll continue. Congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Do you count Harvey Weinstein as a coercer? Uh, uh, now, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein is a, as a uh, I, I don't know whether he's in some kind of organized crime now, <laughs> but he used to be like some kind of junior mob kind of guy, right? He was, he was like in the mob auxiliary. That's what they tell me. Yeah. He will coerce you to do it. And, so, and so Harvey said, I tell you what, go on and, and, and talk about your movie. Is that what Harvey said? Yeah. And, and in return, what will Harvey do for you? Nothing. 
I'm not afraid of anyone in show business. I turned down intercourse with Harvey Weinstein on no less than three occasions out of five. That music can only mean one thing. 25 uh, now till the top of the hour. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. We'll get to Katie Hopkins, the gobby one, in just a second here. All right, so here's what has come out today. First broken by Breitbart.com. Uh, and because they knew that this Washington Post piece was coming out. And their headline is, after endorsing the Democrat in Alabama... Bezos, Washington Post, you know, Bezos owns the Washington Post, for those of you who don't know, uh, plans to hit Roy Moore with allegations of inappropriate relations with teenagers. Judge claims it's a smear campaign. Now, I'll go back and I'll give you the specifics of, of all of this. But anyway, it goes on. And the Washington Post headline is women says woman says Roy Moore initiated sexual encounter when she was 14 and he was 32, just a shy of 40 years ago, 40 years ago. Anyway, and it goes on to tell the story about how 1979 that Moore, who's now the Republican nominee in Alabama for the U.S. Senate seat, was a 32-year-old assistant district attorney, struck up a conversation with a girl and her mother, offered to watch the girl while her mother went inside for a child custody hearing. And he said, oh, you don't want to go in there and hear all that. I'll just stay out here with her. He said, anyway, so the mother says, well, I thought how nice for him to want to take care of my little girl. Now, alone, Moore chatted with the girl, they go on to say, asked for her phone number. Days later, he picked her up around the corner from her house in Gadsden, Alabama, drove for about 30 minutes to his home in the woods, told her how pretty she was and kissed her. On a second visit, she says he took uh, her shirt and her pants and removed his clothes. He touched her bra and underpants and guided her hand to touch him all over his underwear. Remember, we're going back 38, 40 years ago. And I want it over with. I want it out, she remembers thinking. Please just get this over with. Whatever this is, just get it over. Now, two apparent friends of this childhood, childhood friends, said that she told them at the time that she was seeing an older man. And one says that she identified the man as, as Judge Moore. Anyway, goes on to say that her daughter told her about the encounter more than a decade later when Moore was becoming a more prominent as a local judge. Now, they then go on to talk about other people, and they talk about specific allegations that one was a 17 years old, Moore spoke to her high school civics class, asked her out on the first of several dates that did not go beyond the progress of kissing. All right, then another girl says she was 18 years old, a cheerleader, when Moore began taking her on dates, including you know, bottles of Matus Rosé wine. The legal age was one year older, 19 in Alabama. Of the four woman, women, the youngest was the woman that's making this sexual allegation and accusation. And then it goes on. Roy Moore says this. These allegations are completely false and are a desperate political attack by the National Democratic Party and the Washington Post on this campaign. Moore is now 70. This allegedly happened when Moore was 32 years old. And then he goes on to say that the campaign said in a subsequent statement that this garbage is the very definition of fake news. All right. Now, as we came into this segment, we were playing all of these people in Hollywood that knew of Weinstein's reputation. Now, all of this is now it's sort of like a cascading impact. We've talked about the casting couch. We've talked about 
you know, young girls want to get into modeling or music or the TV industry. And I said then, and I said, this is only the beginning and how right I was since that. Let's see. You have Jeff Bezos of Amazon Studio Head, the guy that worked for him, Roy Price, a victim was a TV producer. Kevin Spacey, all the allegations we've heard about him. You had the National Enquirer picked up all over the country yesterday that Charlie Sheen had, in fact, raped Corey Haim, who later committed suicide. Then you got... Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck in his particular case, two specific allegations against him. And there were allegations against Dustin Hoffman that go back to 1985. Then you got Jeremy Piven. Then you got the case of Roman Polanski. And because I just wondered, everyone knew about Weinstein, they didn't care. Roman Polanski was accused of plying a 13-year-old girl with alcohol and quaaludes and raping her. Listen to this. And the Oscar... Goes for Roman Polanski for the pianist. And that was the reaction when the guy that has been living abroad and avoiding justice in America got his Academy Award. That's Hollywood's reaction. Accused of a 13-year-old girl. Anyway, here's some really, you know, fascinating questions. How do you know if it's true? How do we, what's true? What's not true? How do you ascertain the truth? What happens when it's 38 years later? And it's a serious topic. And because if it's true and people act like this, it's disgusting. It's despicable. It's criminal. If people, you know, some people, do, uh, do people lie? Now, we do have 10 commandments. One of the commandments is thou shalt not bear false witness. We know human beings break with regularity the other nine commandments. Did they break this one? I mean, it's something to think about. Why is it so bad? Because you can ruin somebody's reputation with an allegation. Katie Hopkins is with us of the Daily Mail across the pond. I mean, you're always outspoken. How do you tell, how do we, how are we, the American people, to ascertain what is true and not true? It's starting to be an impossible question, isn't it, that doesn't have an answer. But what I would say is that women, and I am loosely a woman, Women have never been so disappointing. Like, the idea to me that someone comes out, what is it, 38 years later, allegedly, and is suddenly remembering how terribly traumatized she was. If she was stood right next to me now, I would be saying to her, that's not good enough. You've taken this many years to remember how upset you used to be. That is not good enough. You are disappointing as a woman. I can't believe in an era where, you know, I watched the pussy marches after Trump's inauguration, marching through the street, how strong women were, or their banners about how strong they are, how their bits and bobs are made of steel. We are so tough. If you're that tough, women, then why aren't you at some point standing up for yourself? We've got British politicians here. But, but Katie, I lo- listen, I love you. To I'm going to tell you what people are going to say to you, feminists in particular. Are you blaming the victim? Are you doubting the victim? That's what people yeah, are going to say. What? Yeah. And, and immediately when people say, oh, my God, you're victim blaming, you're victim blaming, immediately you're supposed to lie down, quake in your boots, like when people throw the term racist about, you know, at me for no reason. You're supposed to lie down and go, no, of course I'm not victim blaming. Well, guess what? Actually, yes, I am at this point. I am pointing the finger straight at. Let's just pick this one woman uh, that's been talking about with Roy Moore, allegedly. You know, I am pointing my finger at her, and I'm saying to that woman, you disgust me. You spent 
38 years thinking about this before you said anything. Now you decide to speak. You disgust me because what you're doing, woman, is you're making it so that every other woman like me, who likes working with men, who's happy just cracking on next to men, who actually finds men rather better to work for than women because the sisterhood doesn't exist, you're making women poison to work for. If I was, in a, you know, if I was employing someone now, would I employ a woman, especially if I was a man? No, I would not. And women like this do women like me a massive disservice. I am sick. And I'm sick of all of the Hollywood lot coming out and, you know, screaming about Weinstein after the event. You took his Oscar. Well, let me just you let me just take the other side of this for a second. You know what? Mm. Listen, if any woman is abused, there is a violation. It's I think it's violence more than it is. You know, when people say mm. I don't want to get into definitions here. Yeah, of course. But here there are predator people out there. There are evil people. And maybe for years there was a stigma associated with telling the truth. And maybe, you know what, maybe people now feel emboldened because some women have told the truth. But then also, you know, are there false allegations? And when it's he said, she said, or whatever, how do you tell the difference? You know what I mean? I mean, because I I, I actually, in all these cases, I'm sure some of these women are telling the truth. But how do we determine who are and who aren't? And in an age where we cannot, we have to, I think, maybe get to a point where we cannot determine initially who's telling the truth, who isn't, who's been, you know, deceived, who's being manipulated by the Democrats or otherwise. What we, I think, need to do and what we perhaps can do is agree that due process has to be followed so that people are innocent unless proven guilty. And what we've just had in the UK in the last 24 hours, uh, because we're seeing exactly the same pattern happening over here as you have there, We've just had an MP. He was hauled in. He's a Welsh MP. Hauled in. He was told about the nature of allegations against him, which were unwarranted, no, sorry, unwanted attention or groping. He wasn't told what they specifically were. And within 12 hours, that man was dead because he has a wife and two children and he killed himself because of the shame and the pressure and not knowing what the charges were. And yet he was already seen as guilty before he'd even had chance to defend himself. And that's what concerns me is we're going to see more people lose their lives i think because this sort of thing is so all pervasive and we can't tell who's lying and who isn't and the mob just decides that people are guilty as soon as they hear an allegation made i think that's a terrifying thing i gotta take a break we'll come back the gobby one katie hopkins is all right as we continue katie hopkins is with us the gobby one from the daily mail is it more credible when there's a series of people making allegations Like, for example, as I read the Washington uh, Post piece, you know, one girl was 17, one girl was 18. Neither said that there was anything other than him asking them out on dates and kissing them. That's as far as it went in those cases. So I think they included that to make it make the original allegation from nearly 40 years ago bigger. And I think there's no doubt that the Washington Post has an agenda. And one has to ask, why didn't this come out during a primary campaign? Judge Moore has been one of the most controversial figures in Alabama for years. Years. Of course. Of course, he was on our news here in the UK, uh, you know, with them portraying him in exactly the same way last night. Very biased across our media, uh, the portrayal of Roy Moore, very biased in terms of what he's going to bring, that he's an extreme version of Trump. You know, that's the messaging that's being played out on this side of the Atlantic. I don't think it makes it any more credible when you get multiple stories coming out about the same person. I think credibility for me is women that report things within a week, two weeks, a month of when they found the time and effort and 
energy and support to report something. That's credibility for me. If you reported the incident when it happened, do you not give any? You do you not give any? Years, it's not good enough. But hang on, but you do not give any credence to the idea that this is such a horrific act of evil violence and so traumatizes people that they live in fear. They live in in fear of, you know, A, a how they don't want people to know this horrible thing happened to them. So they bottle it up, they keep it up inside, and then fear that they're not going to be believed, fear that they're going to be blamed. Fear, You know, I mean, I think there's legitimate reasons why, you know, and personal reasons why women wait. I, I, I hear you, Sean, and you're kind, and you're... And no, I'm, you're, no I'm a, you're, I want to get to truth, and sometimes... Yeah, well, okay, but I think we spend too much time talking about, you know, these women feel this, or these women feel, you know, shame, these women feel this. You know, speaking as someone who's played the system, Sean, I am, you know, my moral bar, as we both know, is very low. I have exchanged at times my youth when I was younger, my whatever I had back then, I exchanged that for power sometimes. Women make exchanges winningly. Now, you might go back and try and make that the man's fault. You know, I've worked in multiple offices where very old, unattractive men are dating the most attractive woman in the marketing department. And that actually is a willing exchange between those two individuals. I think the idea that we somehow it's always men preying on women. Women are very calculating. Women are very determined about what they want. And women are not weak. This idea that we're all massive victims, I think that's what I find so offensive about this. This is setting women back decades because it makes us sound like we can't stand up for ourselves. We've got politicians here. We managed to get our defence, our Secretary of Defence, Michael Fallon, has left his job in the Cabinet because he touched someone's knee. If that's me, I'd be getting my other knee and kneeing him right where the sun don't shine and saying, do that again and I'll do that again. You know, women are, are, it's just, it's desperate to me that women are portraying themselves as victims, as weak, as defenceless and vulnerable. And I just I'm sick of it. And I understand your your kind point, which is uh, that there are real victims out there. But then, you know what, Sean, what really annoys me, all these feminists, they never have one word to say about the victims of Muslim grooming gangs because it's not politically correct to talk about that. So it seems that some victims matter more than others. And that partly is fueling my anger at these women who look for sympathy now 30, 40 years later. All right. uh, I'm going to have to. This is so um, I've honestly think that this is just the beginning of what's going to be a cascading impact and uh we're going to have to try and sort this out and get to truth that's that's my goal in all of this katie we always love having you on thank you for being with us 800-800-941 sean toll free telephone number you want to be a part of the program news roundup information overload hour coming up at the top of the hour we'll get back into this jonathan gillam geraldo rivera we have the latest on what's happening with the dossier in Uranium One, Sarah Carter, Victoria Tunsing, straight ahead. Congratulations, you five ladies no longer have to pretend to be attracted to Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> Do you have any advice for a young girl moving to Hollywood? Um, I'll get live on this. Harvey Weinstein invites you to a private party and it's four seasons. Yeah. You hear of your own free will. <laughs> Has someone coerced you into being here? Do you count Harvey Weinstein as a coercer? Well, uh, now, Harvey, Harvey Weinstein is a, as a uh, I, I don't know whether he's in some kind of organized crime now. 
but he used to be like some kind of junior mob kind of guy, right? It was, it was like in the mob auxiliary. That's what they tell me. Yeah, but, and now he's me. like a big, powerful film guy, right? Yes, I do all my movies for Harvey Weinstein. That's Miramax mm-hmm. for all of you. Yeah. And I'm lucky to do them there, but he will coerce you to do it. And, so, and so Harvey said, I tell you what, go on and, and, and talk about your movie. Is that what Harvey said? Yeah. And, and in return, what will Harvey do for you? <laughs> Nothing. Well, what's wrong with that equation? I'm not afraid of anyone in show business. I turned down intercourse with Harvey Weinstein on no less than three occasions out of five. And the Oscar goes to Roman Polanski for the pianist. All right, news roundup information, overload hour, Sean Hannity Show. All right, so what you heard there was all these Hollywood superstars acknowledging, they all knew the reputation of Harvey Weinstein and, and what he would do with women in the casting couch. It was all confirmed. And then Roman Polanski had been on the lam and been on the run and avoiding justice for all these years. Uh, this is a guy that had raped a 13-year-old girl after giving her alcohol and quaaludes. Now, why am I bringing this up? Well, today's news, uh, we were just discussing with Katie Hopkins, the gobby one, is that, in fact, Judge Roy Moore, the Republican candidate down in Alabama, when he was 32 years old, 40 years, nearly 40 years ago, that he had a sexual encounter, initiated a sexual encounter with a girl 14, and that he kissed one girl 17 and one girl 18. That's all that was on those two cases. And then when you look at all the other allegations, Harvey Weinstein, you got... You know, Kevin Spacey, Charlie Sheen, Ben Affleck, Dustin Hoffman, all these people. It's like one after another. Uh, How do you know and ascertain the truth? Anyway, News Roundup Information Overload, Geraldo Rivera, Fox News legal analyst and host of, uh, what is the name of your show? Geraldo at Large. Geraldo at Large, but I I haven't had that show on in a while. I know, but I always... (laughs) (laughs) By the way, welcome back from Cleveland. Thank you. It's rare to have you in studio. Jonathan Gillum is the host of The Experts, author of the upcoming book, Sheep No More. Uh, Welcome, both of you. Let me start with you. 40 years ago, we didn't hear about this in the primary. Um, All these... It's like a cascade now of all these allegations made from decades ago and decades ago, and... If it happened as a as a father, as a brother, you know, I lost my mother years ago who who loves and respects women as you do and as Jonathan does. You know, you hear these things and you're like, what's true? How do we ascertain what the truth is? I think the biggest part of the problem, Sean, is that we have two standards. One is for everything else, murder, bank robbery. Uh, terrorism, whatever it is, we have one standard of proof and and recollection and credibility. And then because of a lot of forces that are both societal and and, uh, uh, politically correct, we have a whole different rule for sexual encounters. Now, I don't know Judge Moore. I don't know what he did with this uh, young, this girl of 13, 14 years old in 1979. 40 years ago. But I know that she's been married three times since. Uh, she has, uh, you know, she's working in a loan shark's office now. She has, you know, 
my, my point is we suspend disbelief because it is politically correct to believe every single allegation now being made. And by the look of it, Sean, all of his Republican colleagues are deserting him. They are buying the story, hook, line, and sinker. Well, well, and he's, but there's politics. He's, Mitch McConnell said, if it's true, you've got to get out of the race. Mitch McConnell hated him from day one. Mitch McConnell poured millions of, of establishment dollars against him and lost. Uh, let me bring Jonathan in here. What, you know, look, if you care about women, you say, oh, well, got to pay attention. You got to listen to it. Do you need a pattern of behavior? If it's is there a statute of limitations? Mm-hmm. You know, but then again, what about women that have been tra- so traumatized that they didn't have the strength to say something? But now they do. Right. Well, you know, again, one of the things that you, that Geraldo was just bringing up there for a second um, about the uh, statute of limitations. We were also talking before we came into uh, uh, the studio was the age of consent and with uh i don't know about this 14 year old girl um but with the other women that were saying that things happened the age of consent is 16 years old so we're not even really looking at a legal issue with these other people that came forward and said things but ultimately uh, you know a lot of the times when uh, women have uh, sexual assault against them when they're younger um, or things happen inappropriately when they're younger. They're going to have certain behaviors that are going to be characteristics of these types of things. And I'm going to be the first person to say that if I don't care who the person is, what side of the aisle they're on, if they've done something inappropriate and it's proven, um, then I, I'm not going to stand in the way of any of these people being condemned for what they've done. What I have a problem with, though. Oh, and by the way, I forgot to mention one. The comedian, Louis C.K., you know, five women say he crossed the line into the sexual misconduct. Right. Louis C.K. also made jokes about pedophilia and uh, got some heat about that. But the thing is, Sean, um, is that when we when we look at the way that these things come up at these, um, you know, these times when there's an election process, when something's going on, it just so happens to be at that point in time. And for me, a lot of these accusers lose credibility when that happens. Oh, definitely. And the process of how quickly they want to condemn the other side wants to condemn. It also uh, just breaks down the credibility. I, I think two things. There should be a reasonable statute of limitations in society's mind, maybe a decade. Let's give you 10 years, which is well more than most crimes. And there has to be some contemporaneous corroboration. Did you did you write a note? Do you have a text? Do you have an email? Did you did well, you tell your girlfriend? We didn't have that did that many years your, ago. Did you tell your mother? Did you write it in your diary? You certainly had that. I mean, something. Otherwise, I have. I don't care about Roy Moore. I he's, obviously his politics are not my politics. But I think that in terms of essential fairness, if this really does torpedo his nomination for the United States Senate seat, as I think it is going to, then I think that that is uh, this is the kind of essential unfairness that's going to, I think, blunt this new movement to root out sex harassment and so forth. Uh, I think it's going to get worse. I think this this is a cascading effect. Look at all the names. You know, look at Sheen accused of raping Corey Haim. Here's the other problem with this is that I don't doubt for a second that there are truths in a lot of these accusations. I mean, what we just heard was chilling in that intro with Gwyneth Paltrow talking. But 
the other problem that you're facing here is the same thing that is uh, widespread across college campuses and in the military, which is where people don't sexually assault somebody, where there isn't a, a sexual rape or something, and somebody makes an accusation. It's almost guilty until proven innocent in a lot of cases, and in politics, uh, it's I, this is a road. You know, I said this earlier to Katie Hopkins. We have ten commandments in the Bible, right? We know human beings break nine out of the ten all the time. Fact. Now, the other one that I'm addressing here is thou shalt not bear false witness. That is one of the big ten. Why would it be one of the big ten to me? Because an allegation that is false, bearing false witness against thy neighbor, can be so devastating, just the allegation alone can ruin somebody's life. And I think the court of public opinion is, wow, now we're all talking about Roy Moore. Now let's look at it from both sides. What if he didn't do it, and what if he did do it, Geraldo? Well, I I think that how can you ever determine the truth or falseness of this allegation when it's four decades old, when everybody involved has been through so many different changes? I think sex harassment stinks. I think that predators in the workplace or wherever do so at their extreme peril. Look at what has happened. Do you think people do it for a paycheck sometimes? There has to be someone out there who's calling the human resources hotline motivated by something other than the desire to seek justice. It's sad because for those few women that that may have ulterior motives, then it hurts the women that are legitimate victims mm-hmm. of what is, I think, you know, heinous treatment of women. And this is the hard part about a statute of limitations is that uh, a heinous act like um, – Sexual assault on somebody. You were saying we were talking again that there's no statute of limitation on a forcible rape. On a forcible rape, but again, even with a forcible rape, um, if it happened forty, fifty years ago, or they're saying it happened forty, fifty years ago, it's very difficult to prove that. And uh, somebody can just say that the person's career will be ruined, and it may never come about anything in the court of law. You know, uh, I agree, and, and, and convictions are extremely rare. But if you look at that Skakel case, remember the Kennedy cousin in uh, no, Connecticut? Right. That case, 20 years later, no physical evidence whatsoever, and they got a conviction. So it is possible, unlikely but possible. Yeah. There is no civil remedy. They can't sue them. Mm-hmm. They, no, they, in other words, this woman can't be motivated by a paycheck from Roy Moore because there is no civil right to sue. That has lapsed long ago. Same thing with Bill Cosby. Case. The, Bill Cosby in 99% of those cases. They're also bar, uh, barred by either uh, the civil uh, statute of limitations or the criminal or both. Uh, and, and Cosby, I predict there will be no convictions. I predict that all of everything you've heard about Bill Cosby, it will end up with him. You think it's true? I, I, Do you think what he I, did? I, I, I mean, there's so many I, women I, that have come out on I, him. I know for a fact that, that his reputation was such that when you talk to agents about Bill Cosby— they used to say that if you open for Bill Cosby, the opening act, you open for Bill Cosby. In other words, he sexually abused or had a sexual relationship with almost wow. everyone he worked with. Uh, so I believe that he had a very sour reputation. Roy Moore, I don't know his reputation, but I'll tell you right now, he's, he's wrecked. There's no way that the Republican Party can or will allow someone who allegedly but molested a 14-year-old. Is, the public is... It, look at the case of the Access Hollywood tape. There are a lot of us thinking that may be it for Donald Trump. 
It was an October surprise. I thought I thought it was. I was uh, I was among them. But another but another when it when it's nearly but it's 30, Melania it's saved it. Melania years saved ago. It. It's thirty eight years ago when Melania said it was locker room banter. Every guy listening, the vast majority said, "Oh yeah, okay, I, I get it now." And yeah. then and then when and, and so what was an egregious uh, allegation, uh, but Pape, ob- obnoxious, right? uh, flippant comment by the uh, the candidate at that time. Uh, but by his wife's intervention, she she mitigated it and brought it down to a level that people in my generation could relate to. Oh yeah, locker room. Yeah, we said old a lot school. Of you're, you're saying you're old school, and, so, and and yeah. But you've I, changed. I mean, oh my God, have I changed? But uh, you know, yeah. you have to remember right. what the sixties and seventies were like. I got a break here. I got a, <laughs> We'll have more on this on Hannity tonight at nine. Jonathan, thank you, Geraldo. Great it. to have you back. All right, brother. Why not stay single? I got to figure every starlet in Hollywood wanted at least you. You know what I'm saying? Did you did you ever get to experience the uh, I'm going to say the mogul aspect? I mean, do a little coke, you know, hang out with, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Julia Roberts, give you a hand job, something. You never got any of that? Howard, as you know, only too well, it doesn't work that way. It, it doesn't you, really. No, I'll tell you who it works that way for. It works that way for the actors. No, you know, come on. Every are, girl knows no. that, 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 that if she's a competent actress, if she could get on your good side. You could make her a star over f***ing night. Don't tell me it doesn't work Howard, that way. Howard, I, I wish, it, I wish the, the movies are too expensive, the risks are too great. It doesn't happen that you way You can't anymore. walk into the room, pull your you pants know, off, and say, okay, honey, John, let's talk John, business. John Frankenheimer, you know, the great director, yes. told us stories about his day in the movies. <laughs> this, this is, we were born, <laughs> we were born way, time? we were born way too, we were late. Way too late. <laughs> I've read about the great moguls, like the, the Louis B. Mayers. Those, those guys, those guys, they yeah, these guys. <laughs> I assume, but these these guys, this 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 round, nothing. Really, really, I, I hate to disappoint it's you. It's not even fun. I know anymore. a few famous directors. I've asked them the same Director, question. Directors are different because directors can make the decision. On I'll tell you though, but I, I know a couple of famous directors. I mean, right. I'm not going to embarrass them by talking. I've talked to talk them off the air, and they tell me actually they, that they never really got laid that much. It's really nothing. No. Well, maybe that's an honorable thing, too. I mean, you know, because really, I mean, to abuse Yeah, shouldn't your power. women be able to get into the movie business without all that? Hell no. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what is but that? Not, and not only that, but they do. I mean, you know, and you have women like Meryl Streep and Julia Roberts who are deeply committed to excellent causes and Charlize Theron. I mean, all these incredibly She's beautiful women. She's a great women. beauty, Charlize Theron. Not only Theron. are they great beauties, but they're so bloody intelligent and brilliant. You, you sit down with a Seductive. girl like that, you don't want to do stupid shit. You want to just talk to them and say, be in my movie, please. No, yesterday was a kind of aggressive for I me. Know, I, I need to know a person to be touched. I won't do a thing. I don't want to do a thing, please. I swear I won't. Just sit with me. Don't embarrass me in the hotel. I'm here all the time. I sit know, with me. but I, I don't want to. Please sit there. Please. One minute. No, I ask I can't. You. Go to the bathroom. Please, I don't want to do something I don't want go to. Go to the bathroom. Come here. Listen to me. I want to go downstairs. I'm not going to do anything. You'll never see me again after this. That's it. You know, you just listen to this depravity and, you know, the fact that everybody in Hollywood knew about Harvey Weinstein. Every, they joked about it, laughed about it. You know, in the case of Roman Polanski, years later, he admitted he was this. But then when he gets an Academy Award, admitted he drugged a 13-year-old, got her drunk, and raped her repeatedly. Oh, I'm sorry, he says. She was a victim of mine and then a victim of the press. And he has run from justice, and Hollywood applauded that. All right, quick break. Right back. We'll continue. 
I learned about the dossier a few days ago. Okay, is that um, how? How uh, is that possible? I mean, well, because you hire a lawyer, uh -huh. and we we hire lawyers all the time who hire third-party vendors to do their work. There are a lot of questions about this Russian dossier, and there are evidence that has come out that the DNC helped fund it. Did you know that was happening, and were you surprised to hear it if you did I asked one question on November 4th, and I was told that I did not need to know, and so no, I did not know, because I did not control my money. Explain. You know campaigns. So the line item is called legal. The line item is called research. The line item, when, if you ask me today, because I have a list of all of the DNC consultants, do I see Fusion GPS? No. Uh, but if you ask me, was this a question that came up during my tenure as chair? It did on November 4th. Do you think it's wrong? Do you think it sets a bad precedence? The, to do to legal, to do research. For opposition research. I, for I was campaign. not involved in the contract, and I don't the know. Republicans I, 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 I did not. I, I did, I, Megan, um, I, I was not involved in the hiring of this firm. I did not know about the existence of this contract. But in terms of opposition research, people go after things that I, I must tell you in America. If they go after dirt. When they go after dirt, you saw what uh, no, Mr. But, Trump Jr. did. But no, I did not. I did not go after it. But just that do you think mine. it's wrong to go to Russia to ask for opposition research? I don't. You're asking me about the dossier and, and how it was compiled. I don't know how it was compiled. I don't know who went after it, Megan. Now let me. Tell Tell you what we found. Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling of classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. For example, seven email chains concerned matters that were classified at the top secret special access program at the time they were sent and received. Those chains involve Secretary Clinton both sending emails about those matters and receiving emails about those same matters. There is evidence to support a conclusion that any reasonable person in Secretary Clinton's position or in the position of those with whom she was corresponding about those matters should have known that an unclassified system was no place for that conversation. All right, as we continue, the very latest, that, of course, Fusion GPS, the comments. I don't know who did. I have no, I have no idea. I have no idea who paid for the phony Russian dossier with propaganda lies Russian bought and paid for by Hillary Clinton, the DNC, that she was controlling. But nobody else knew. No, and nobody had any idea whatsoever at all, at any point, at any time. And then, of course, James Comey blatantly misrepresenting other criminal statutes uh, as it relates to, well, extremely careless, even though he had gross negligence as the standard before he changed it. Sarah Carter, investigative journalist, and she's been in the forefront of all of these stories. And also Victoria Tunsing is back with us. She's a partner at DeGeneva and Tunsing. And, of course, she is uh, also representing the FBI informant in the Uranium One case, Welcome both of you back to the program. Uh, let me begin with you, Sarah. What is your reaction to what Donna Brazil has been saying in the last few days? Well, this is incredible. I mean, I, you look at Donna Brazil. I mean, I think that the book is uh, very explicit. I mean, I know she's tried to hold back on some of her own statements uh, that she actually put out in her book. Uh, but one of the things, Sean, that I am stunned by, and this is um, maybe I'm not so much stunned, is that remember in the beginning, they kept trying to say, even when Don Jr. had met, and remember, he didn't reach out to Natalia Veselnitskaya, this attorney, this Russian lawyer. Somebody had said, hey, there's somebody that has information for you, a 
its opposition research. And they said, well, this, you know, when that finally came out, when it finally came out that he had met with her, they said, well, this is an opposition research. This is collusion. And now all of a sudden they're caught. They're caught. They had paid the Russians. They had basically the DNC and the Hillary campaign had paid Christopher Steele. He used that money to pay members of the FSB. We know that Christopher Steele used current members of the FSB, which is the Russian uh, secret agency, clandestine agency. And he also paid former FSB agents. And now all of a sudden it's opposition research. Well, I mean, I mean is, but, but they also and Victoria, they lied for a year. They said, I don't, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. And it's only because of investigation, pressure from Sarah, John Solomon, pressure on, on my show, and pressure from people like you, that finally now people had to admit. She has, had to admit, oh, yeah, we funded that, but it's not collusion in this case, even though it's bought and paid for by Hillary and the DNC that she's running. No, in this case, it's only opposition research that turned out to be nothing but salacious lies that were regurgitated and repeated in an effort, just like she stole the primary and rigged the primary, to use Donna Brazile's words, she was trying to influence the American people in the general election. And as the fix was in with James Comey, as he exonerates her before an investigation, as the fix was in on the tarmac when Loretta Lynch meets with Bill Clinton, you know, a lot of fixes in in the Clinton world. Fusion GPS is an orphan, I'm really sad to say. And if the Republicans in Congress were doing their job, and I hope they do, I hope they know and just haven't told us yet, but it cries out, Sean, for a special counsel. This this should be gotten to the bottom of immediately because this is criminal activity afoot. Collusion, I, don't, I haven't found that crime yet, but this is um, misuse of campaign uh, funding. By the way, I'm a lawyer, and I can tell you I wouldn't have made those expenditures for in the millions of dollars. I don't make expenditures over $1,000 without conferring with my client and telling my client exactly what it's going for. Exactly. Uh, all right. Where are we? I, I think this is all now coming to a head. And what's fascinating, if you really pay attention, because there are a lot of lies told since Donna Brazil came out. And actually, The Intercept, Glenn Greenwald, actually had four specific lies that he picked up on, which really became the narrative, the talking point. One, the Clinton DNC agreement cited by Brazil only applied to the general election, not the primary. That's a lie. Sanders signed the same agreement with the DNC that Clinton did. Oh, that's a lie. Brazil stupidly thought she could unilaterally remove Clinton as the nominee. That's a lie. Evidence has emerged proving that the content of WikiLeaks documents and emails were doctored. Sorry, that's a lie too, Sarah. Yes, I mean, it's, it appears to be one lie after another. But, Sean, the dots are starting to connect. People are, there's evidence surfacing that needs to be investigated let me just go back to Fusion GPS because this is so important. We know that next week Glenn Simpson is supposed to be testifying. They're going to remove his subpoena next week on Tuesday when he goes to testify before the House panel. And they're also, and that's totally separate from the documents that they're still seeking, the bank records that apparently will show that Fusion GPS possibly had journalists on their payroll and other people on their payroll. And we need to know who those people were. Another thing that surfaced that is completely concerning is this connection to this Russian lawyer. This has come back to haunt them because Natalia Veselnitskaya, we know, met with Glenn Simpson before she even went to meet with Don Jr. This is this is part of this pattern of behavior. We also know that they were involved in 
possibly and allegedly lobbying against the Magnitsky Act, which punished Russians. It was basically they were working for the Kremlin. So when you look at all of these dots, you've got to say to yourself, who was colluding with who? If you're looking at evidence flat on its face, it looks like the Democrats had many more connections to the Kremlin and to the Russians using GPS than anyone at all had in the Trump campaign. And this is what needs to be investigated. And Victoria's right. A special counsel, I have been talking to people. I was up on the Hill today. This is something that they are discussing. They think that it's imperative that there be a special counsel to investigate this, not only this, but Uranium One and many other issues. And we also, you know, Sean, it's like we almost forgot about unmasking, right? Right, you're right. We know. We, it's almost like there's so many stories out there that we can't even remember what has been done just in this past year. There is still an ongoing investigation into the leaks, leaks that came out that were completely illegal, and the unmasking of Americans, which is a huge violation of Fourth Amendment rights. And we know right now that this is something not only that the Senate Intelligence Committee is looking into, but the House Intelligence Committee, and they are not backing down from this. There's a long and hard investigation, and I believe there's also an investigation ongoing in the DOJ. Now, we still have to formally confirm that, but according to sources that I've spoken with, there's a number of investigations going on right now, both in the intelligence right, wanna... community and within the DOJ. Well, that th- go, go ahead, Victoria. No, I'm concerned because uh, Fusion, GPS's lawyer, came out and said, well, finally, we've reached an agreement with, uh, with the House and uh, we, we get to preserve our uh, privileges. And I'm very concerned about that. First of all, there is a crime fraud exception for a privilege if um, the, the uh, people are participating, if the lawyers and the, and the participants are in a, in a crime, you can't uh, assert the privilege. It's gone. So why are they getting their privileges preserved? All right. Stay right there. We'll take a break. We'll come back more with Sarah Carter, investigative journalist. And Victoria Tunsing is the attorney for the FBI informant in the Uranium One case. The House of Cards is crumbling. All right. As we continue, Sarah Carter and Victoria Tunsing, and we we're talking about the DOJ. Uh, one of the things I think, Victoria, I have found so frustrating in all of this is we've heard Russia, Russia, Trump, Russia, Russia, collusion, collusion. Now we know Hillary paid for phony, salacious Russian propaganda and lies during the campaign, but she doesn't call that. She lied for a year, and then now, oh, that's not collusion. That is just op research that came directly from Russia and Russian operatives that she paid for. And, you know, I'm, I'm watching the Department of Justice. I see that Comey got what he wanted. He got a special counsel by leaking through his friend to the New York Times. And you've got Uranium One. You got the email server scandal. You've got literally, you know, a ro- they robbed a primary. And t- why anyone would ever give up 20 percent of our uranium when, in fact, we have to import uranium made no sense. And I see no special counsel here. That frustrates no me. Uh, well, I'm very frustrated. Sarah and I have been calling for this for, for several weeks, ever since the Uranium One uh, stories came out with Sarah and John Solomon. I'll tell you what, this latest information about uh, Fusion GPS meeting with the Russian lawyer before and after the meeting with Donald Trump, of course, makes all of us consider whether it was a setup. Yeah. Was this a setup? So that they because I if I recall the somebody knew about this meeting and people knew to ask for any uh, emails regarding this meeting. There, it was it was mm-hmm. like it was out there. In other words, and sort so, of deep state leakish type of thing. Uh huh. 
Right. And 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 if they but, but isn't it odd, Victoria, that they that that Fusion GPS meets with the Russian lawyer ahead of time before meeting Don Jr. and meets after Don Jr. Doesn't that sound like a setup to you? Sounds like a setup to me. Uh, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I, no. Sounds like a setup, and then they leaked it to get get it out there to make that the meeting that was the quote unquote collusion, no. which is not a crime. Which is not even a crime. Good point. Uh, what is the latest with Uranium One, Sarah? Because it, to me, you know, the more I learn about it, the more you see it never made sense to give away 20% of America's uranium. But what's even more nonsensical to me is that we know Robert Mueller, then FBI director in 09, and Eric Holder, then head of the Department of Justice as the attorney general, they knew about bribery, extortion, kickbacks, money laundering, and racketeering, and that Vladimir Putin was trying to get into the uranium market, and they did nothing. They allowed that deal to go through anyway. How is that possible? Well, well, they allowed a deal to go through that Vladimir Putin was adamant about. I mean, he had been adamant about obtaining uranium globally, I mean, and penetrating the U.S. market, I mean, for years, starting way back in the 1990s when he was in Kazakhstan with the uranium mining there. So this is something that is incredible. Not only are we talking about the same players, right, Sean? I mean, we're talking about Mueller, Rod Rosenstein, uh, Andrew McKay. These are all the same people that were actually aware of this corruption within the Russian uranium industry, within their nuclear arm, within their nuclear agencies, and they said nothing. So where do you go from here? I mean, I think, and I know, and I know uh, that Victoria will agree with me on this. This is just, we're at the tip of the mountain here, just the top of the mountain. There is so much more information that is going to be made public. There is so much more information that apparently is going to be classified and be dealt with in a classified setting that's going to reveal a lot more answers. And at this point in time, we're calling the mountaintop special counsel. Special right, last counsel, question. For, for Victoria, and i got to run. Will your client, the evidence that he has, the documents, his own experience with as an FBI informant, the emails, the tape recordings, will this blow this case wide open, in your opinion? Well, I, John, I think the case is blown wide open right now. There's a quid. I agree. And, and all the quo was, you know, was in the Clinton's pocket. Oh, he's just going to put he's going to put meat on it and say, here, here it is. It's a solid case. Will it stun the American people? Well, if if you're not stunned by the sale of uranium, yeah, one, that's it's true. not going to stun them. It's just going to. It, it's, it's Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you both. You guys are doing an incredible job. All right. Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. You do not want to miss. We got two important monologues tonight. Number one, allegations of Judge Moore hit with sexual accusations from 38 years ago. We'll have the details. We'll have all the commentary. We'll examine every angle of it. Also, I have a special message for Senator Mitch McConnell in the Senate tonight and Congress tonight that if they don't get their act together, well, you'll have to tune in at 9. That's all coming up. Hannity, Fox News. Thanks for being with us. See you tonight at 9. Back here tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. 
have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 